Hi, this is Gina from See Gina Go, journaling my way through nature and life and sharing it with you on a podcast. Hi, this is Gina, and today I am here at the Empire Mine Ranch. Is it called Ranch? Empire Mines. You'd think it would be a good idea to actually be standing in front of that sign that I just saw that kind of told a little bit about it. But it's kind of busy here today. There's uh, people around, which makes it a little bit more um, uncomfortable for me to walk around talking aloud. Still haven't gotten uh, comfortable or used to that. So I found a quiet place here, which is right outside in front of the office building. I know very little about the Empire Mine Ranch other than the fact that I have been here before. But when I came here before, I didn't actually tour anything here. I followed a trail around the back that walked along a river that was really lovely. I kind of remember not a waterfall, but maybe some cascades. I also noticed that there were some picnic areas that I thought were well maintained, some nice bathrooms, a good parking area. Also, this was somewhere on my list of my California state parks that I could use my state park pass for which is one of the reasons why I had wanted to head up here for a little while. It wasn't until I actually drove up here that I realized that this was the place that I had walked along that trail that one time. So a lot of big trucks going by. This seems like such a small little back roads twisting through the pine trees here that it seems amazing that these big concrete trucks are going up and down here after living in the foothills and the mountainous areas for quite a long time now I realize that people use these roads just as much like highways as as city folk use the freeways so I shouldn't be that shocked that there's concrete trucks and logging trucks up and down these highways but boy they're so big and it seems like the roads are so small so I would first off say that everybody should definitely come to the Empire Mine Ranch because even though I haven't started walking around here at all just standing here in the front of the office building I am already completely enamored by the architecture and even if you come for this one building it's it seems so well worth it. The entire building is made out of rock along with the rock is also brick and the windows of course are made of, of wood and glass but they really are dynamic in the way that they're featuring the rock and the architecture because not only is it used to build the walls and the structure of this building which in of itself is an interesting architectural style the walls are all the rock 
But then along the top of the walls, extending from the building itself are large boulders put on like people might now put barbed wire or something along the top of them. It's really an interesting architectural feature that is well worth seeing. The stairway that leads up to the front doors of the green office doors, which are also made out of wood, they give that old campy style feel that I really, really love. There's probably about 12 steps leading up to the office door and the steps themselves are made out of both rock but then the face or the top where you actually step on is made out of brick and the handrails going up the side are again made out of stone and on top of them are these just huge boulders that are very enticing it's a great look you almost expect to see Smokey the Bear come walking out of that door there the roof itself is a angled, not A-line, but a very sharp angled roof, which looks like a Danish or Dutch style. The angle of the roof was to keep snow from collecting. But with that angled roof, on one side of it, the building extends out a little bit further Now the stairs are on one side and then there's an extended area on the other side which has an adorable little gable and even the gable itself rather than just being a straight gable it has a gable with like a straight edge on the side gives it that inspired by Dutch architecture something along that line and I could be totally wrong but it just what it looks like to me also at the ends of each building is another feature that I don't know that I've seen very often. The stone wall protrudes up actually higher than the roof line does. And there's a just a peaked roof on one side. The other side looks like it might actually have a fireplace extending. But it's a couple feet wide that almost looks like if you were up there, you could walk up that side And I've never really kind of seen that where the end walls protrude higher than the actual roof line. And another interesting part that I really enjoy is I'm standing here looking off to the right of where the stairs are is another little separate protrusion that there's no... there. It's all two-story, but this one protrusion, there's no bottom story. It's all held up on pillars and there's just a little room that's protruding out to the side. This part, instead of being stone, actually is shingled, which is very enticing as well. And even the edge of the the roof line, it comes down straight, and then it has one extra little protruding angle, which it seems to have on the gable and at the edge of the roof line, these one extra little straightening or flattening part that just add some lovely architectural distinction to it. Behind that little room is a very wide gateway opening that looks like you could indeed drive a big concrete truck through it. Two enormous stone pillars, which again, stones kind of layered on top of them. And it's got such an interesting 
roughness about it. These stones aren't perfectly matched. They aren't fitting in there in any uniformity. I want to say like oafish giants just picked up these rocks and kind of slabbed them together, but it's got a really interesting balance between roughishness and style. There's a row of flat stones at the top and then it's got this almost jumble of rocks on top of it but the way that they slightly angle in and then you've got another flattening area before it's topped off with a little stone cap up on top. The doorways themselves are huge wooden panels that are etched in with uh, diamond patterns that balance between roughness and style that makes me curious to know who is the architect for this. Now attached to the other end of these big pillars, which have this opening in the middle of drive-through gate, on one side it says Empire Mines 1850, on the other side it says No Admittance. On the right side, on the pillar that's next to the one that says no admittance is a stucco building which is not the stucco like modern stucco but it's slathered on like the finishing that you would put on adobe it's white with green windows with cross hatches in them and the roof line here is as steep as it is on the other house but this one is made out of corrugated metal now, I know these buildings at some point have been updated, but they either improved upon what was already a really good design or brought in modern materials to enhance the design, or they may have just gone ahead and used that with newer metal because it just fits so well into the design. Even the fascia under the roof line isn't finished with wood. It's open to the corrugated metal top, which charmingly extends out just past the building. So now we've got this white stucco building next to the gate which is next to the big office building and attached to that and coming out in this fortress area here because there's a big long wall that extends out from this further stone building that's attached to the white building and here we have the metal from the white building protruding over the stone on this side We've got another one of these adorable gables that matches the office building house and reconnects with now, uh, we're back to the, the shingled roof, which extends out to this uh, wall that goes off to the right, which from where I'm standing now are gardens on either side. The sprinkler water is on right now. And there's a stone walkway a stone-walled, lined walkway, I should say. The, the walkway itself is concrete now, but it's leading into a doorway in the middle of this right-angled fortress stone wall with the gabled roof line. It's charming and beautiful and certainly makes me want to walk in further. And there's a little green door that matches all the green and the trim of the original office building. 
There's also a big California State Park sign that says Park Entrance and Visitor Center, open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. There's a flagpole here. So there's obviously more to see beyond this outdoor area, but even if nobody ever went inside the park, these buildings themselves are so well worth seeing. I didn't mention that to the left of the office building, what was probably a garage area, and there's an old rusty gas pump standing outside, which may or may not have originally been here. So far, I'm so impressed with Empire Mine Ranch. Don't you like how I can't even remember? Why do I keep saying ranch? Where am I getting the ranch from? Empire Mine. I don't know. We'll see if I, as I get further in. Okay. So if you want to take a look at that, you can. It's $7 to go out into the historic grounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so um, if you want to check out the museum first, you can, and then okay. decide if you want to go outside. Okay. You can do that. All right, sounds good. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. before you represents the underground workings of the Empire State Mine Complex. The model's construction began in 1938. The model was built with utmost secrecy. Only managers and some geologists and engineers were allowed to study the model. The architectural scale of the model is one inch equals 80 feet. It represents a surface area of five square miles. I'm good. <laughs> I was just trying to see about the one o'clock tour, the oh, okay. cottage, and then there's a, the mine yard. I want to do that. <laughs> I have a state park pass. Does it make any difference as far as the entrance goes? It depends what pass you have. Okay. The historian pass works here. Okay. Um, that's the only state pass that works here. Okay, no worries. I don't mind contributing money to beautiful places like this Thank anyway. You. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> 
Thanks. You're welcome. So I have decided I'm going to stay a little bit longer here. There are two more tours as we may or may not have heard. Those are always the questionable moments, how much of that I want to include and if I want to do some editing. I do know how to edit. I was always hoping that this podcast could be straight up in the moment and and raw without all the editing but what I was finding that I was struggling with was the mouth noises I was making as I was recording so I'm working both on reducing my and um oh kind of things paying a little bit more attention to not making any crazy noises but with something like that going inside of the building and walking around and not wanting to talk at the same time it does put me in a little bit of a conundrum about whether that's something that's going to actually be interesting it's warm one today My name is George, and I'll be leading you all on the tour. You here for the cottage, the estate yes. tour? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Where are you all visiting us from? Oh, we grew up here. We're this Tucson. Oh, Tucson. And you? I'm currently living in El Dorado Hills. Oh, well, wonderful. First time to the mine? I walked the trails once, yes. And how about you all? Have you been to the mine before? Okay. Taken a tour before? Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> well, whatever you heard before, just forget Well, anyway, welcome to the Empire Mine. We're going to move now and get out of this heat. So let's walk on up, and I'm going to tell you the story as we move along. Now, an outcropping of gold quartz is essentially the vein of gold that's below the surface has appeared on the surface. Um, the soil and the, the earth around the vein as it got near the surface got eroded away. So you had this little uh, rock outcropping of quartz and it has gold in it. So Roberts knew immediately what that was because we'd had found gold quartz in this area of Grass Valley earlier in 1850. So he staked a claim on it. Now. He has the money. He's got the resources. He can get the people and the technology to dig down into the earth and mine the gold. So this starts the 60-year history of the Bourne family owning and operating this mine. Unfortunately, five years later, in 1874, he suffered a tragic accident and died, leaving behind his wife Sarah and five kids down in San Francisco. Now, in the latter part of the 19th century, it was very unusual for a woman to run businesses. Very unusual for a woman to be in charge of large business enterprises. But apparently, Mrs. Bourne, Sarah Bourne, stepped up to the task. Now, she had her advisors. She had her 
mine managers, she had her business advisors down in the Bay Area. So they were, they were helping her, but she was the one making the decisions about what needed to be done. Now the Bournes also had a son. His name was William Bourne Jr. Now he was only 17 when his father passed away, and as a minor he wasn't able to take over running the family businesses. So the Now he goes off to Cambridge, England, rolls in class, and begins to learn and, of course, get his higher education. And while he's there, because he has money, he has the opportunity to travel around a bit. So he gets to see a lot of the English manor estates. He gets to socialize with a lot of the English society. So he begins to get a little bit of a different perspective on what life could be like from what he had seen growing up in San Francisco. While he's over in England, he's getting an appreciation for the English lifestyle. He's getting an appreciation for upper society. He's getting an appreciation for English architecture and English landscape. And he begins to build a vision of a lifestyle for himself that he wants to achieve. And that is what we're going to look at today. This is one of his visions. This is one of his estates. But this was his vision. This was his idea of a lifestyle that he wanted to live in. This was not their primary residence. At the time this was built, in 1898, it was becoming very fashionable for wealthy people to have a summer home, a vacation house. Or as born in his in his era, it would have been known as a cabin in the woods. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the mentality. That's why his cabin in the woods is perched on this hill looking down over Grass Valley, so it could be seen. So if you look in here, one thing you'll notice how dark it is. Yeah. Bourne's idea was to build an English manor hunting lodge. That was his cabin in the woods. So we've got dark redwood paneling walls, a black floor, redwood paneling and redwood beams, smaller windows, uh, the curtains are heavy, the walls I told you were two feet thick and we think that was because the mine was operating, putting out a lot of noise, plus the fact that that sun goes down in the summertime right over here, this building out really warm. There was no source of, of ventilation except opening the windows. We have stories that the family at times when they were up here in the summertime, it was too warm to sleep in the building. They actually took their bedding and went down underneath the trees right outside over here. And they called it camping out. And that's my idea of camping. You've got your cook in here, you've got your bathrooms, you've got everything you need, and you're just sleeping out there. They sat sideways, but you can sit facing forward. It's a little more, a little more comfortable. Can I climb over the edge? Oh, sure. Go right ahead. Just be careful. I hardly ever fall. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You are looking down the main shaft of the Empire Mine. This shaft goes down 4,600 feet. Wow. 
Now that's linear distance, so we're not talking vertical. We're just talking linear distance. That's 4,600 feet, and the initial angle and kind of the average angle over the entire period is about 35 degrees. In 1908, the Bourne family still owned the mine, and they had been mining. And in 1908, this shaft was maybe down about 2,000 or 2,500 feet linear distance. The, new, the North Star Mine, which is about a mile or so to the northwest of us, determined that the Empire Mine was mining in their territory. And so they filed a lawsuit. Well, it took six years for that lawsuit to be settled. So by the time the lawsuit was settled in 1914, the Empire continued mining the shaft. They dropped it down to the 4,600-foot level, which we call the 46 level. They got down to that level and they lost the lawsuit. The courts made them pay punitive damages and told them they couldn't mine in this area anymore. They had to relocate their mining activities. So what the, the uh, Orms did and the Empire did is they dropped a drift and they latched to the drift a half mile to the north. When they got to the end of that drift, they were outside the controversial area. So just a short while ago, I completed a tour of the Empire Mine, and the biggest thing that I am left with is, go here, go here, go here, go here, go here. Completely unexpected, and it just brings to my mind the reality of how I can get an impression of some place even though I had thought I hadn't visited here before, I said when I drove up, I realized that I had. But I had a very outside of the fence, looking through idea of what this place was. And to be honest, even this part that I'm standing here looking at, I remember looking at before. And it's a huge gravel yard filled with old mining equipment. It's outdoors, and it, all the parts, although are very interesting and certainly make me curious and want to look at them closer, they're also out in this very large, hot, dry, gravelly field that doesn't really invite one to wander around very much, even in good weather. It just it feels kind of hard and uninviting. Well, what I found out by walking through that door and paying for an entrance was that this is actually an estate, and the estate was built by a gentleman who had gone to school in England and came back in these unique architectural style that I could see even outside of the original gates before going into the the estate was that reflection of the grandeur and the architecture and the gardens but what we didn't do while we went on the tour was I didn't go into a couple of the gardens the gentleman whose name was George if anybody could get George I would 100% recommend him his storytelling style was very intriguing. I don't think that I stopped looking at him, waiting to hear his next word. He was so informative and 
could continue to lead a story forward in a way that I just didn't want the man to stop talking. And luckily, he did two tours back to back. One of them was of the estate and the cottage, and the other was of the actual mine. That crow is driving me crazy. I feel like I have to talk over him, but I'm sure that the way that I'm holding my microphone, it's in the background. For the most part of the tour that I went on with George, there were two other people with me, a couple. At one point, a mother and daughter from New York joined us for a little while. They were outside walking, and George invited them to walk around his tour with us, and so they did decide to join us. So I want to go ahead and go back in to the building's and take a look and bring you with me to see what we're going to see. I'm again crossing over the parking lot that was where I recorded the first part of this, first walking in where I first saw the beautiful buildings the stone walls, which are very reflective of many places in the English countryside. One of the things George did tell us on the tour was that long wall that angled off that I was telling you about where the door in the middle of it where we enter into the park um, and visitor center was actually the stables which once I saw it it really did make sense and you could see that even that back little door is the back entrance to the stable coming out towards the house. Now, the place that I called the office was actually the office, but was not the actual estate or where the owner who built all of these buildings actually lived. So we're going back into the park office again. So it's just past four in the afternoon. 
I am outside of the park office at Empire Mine and walking back up the way that our tour led earlier today. One of the places that we did not go into was the formal gardens. Just to the left of me right here is the foundation of one of the houses that used to sit here that there were actually two families. They were cousins who lived here and one of the cousins built this second house at a, a later date. But that house unfortunately caught fire and burned down and now there is just the foundation left. And following up a gravel road that used to lead from the front of the house over to the, the front of the mines, which I think it still does. I guess I could say it used to lead, but it looks like it still, still does if you wanted to wander around that way. I'm going back up towards what they call the, the cottage. And I was just taken aback at the beauty and grandeur the architectural style is just unbelievably intricately wonderful. Not surprisingly, they hold many weddings and outdoor events in this area, but it reminds me so much of England, so much of where my daughter got married. And just these beautiful stone walls topped with large globes, the intricate brickwork. There's a large group up by the cottage out on the lawns and I'm going to walk down into the gardens here and hopefully be able to record without too much interference. So I'm on the first terrace. The similarities to the English gardens is absolutely stunning. It brings to mind reading the book The Secret Garden, the stone walls, the lush vegetation, and the garden pathways are completely and utterly romantic. I'm so surprised that with my love of English gardens and how much time I have <laughs> sought out wanting to see and visit in all local and faraway gardens, to find one right here almost in my backyard is really surprising. You can hear, I'm sure, not only the sounds of the sweet little birdies, but also the sounds of traffic is just 
beyond this wall, which obviously when all of this was built, the road wasn't there. There would never have been the sounds of traffic. So I'm quite curious looking at this garden and seeing the variety of plants and how lovely everything is maintained. How this isn't all eaten away by the deer because at the same time that I see all the beauty, I also see deer poop here, which means that the deer have been here. So the majority of the plants that are still growing have to be somewhat reindeer resistant. One of the plants I see is a long stretched out lily type plant which we call the naked ladies. It's oh is this naked ladies? I always think that they poke their heads up in the spring but we're getting well into fall now. So I'm not 100% sure exactly if those are naked ladies, but they certainly look like it. I don't see any other leaves or anything on the plants, just this beautiful, long, stretched out stem with pink lilies at the end. There's also quite a large variety of roses. One of the things that they talk about in their paperwork is that they have beautiful heirloom roses here. I do also see a lot of plants towards the middle of this planter that's right in front of me right now that looks like all of the tops of them have been chomped off by reindeer. So, I'm sorry, I know I call them reindeer. They aren't reindeer. I know they're not reindeer, but I like to call them reindeer anyway because reindeer is a much better name than just boring old deer. Another thing that I see here that is a, one of my favorite things anywhere anytime I go anywhere to visit is the little labels that name the plants that are behind them. So I love that and it's one of the ways it's really helped me learn the names of a lot of the plants. And this one here says Paul's Scarlet 1916 and it says Polyvantha Polyvantha which is an enormously spreading, climbing rose up the rock wall ahead of me. I see that it's got some wire to hold it against the the wall in many places because it not only spreads up, but it's also spreading forward, which I'm sure when they're all in bloom will have beautiful cascades of blossoms across the tops of those arches. There is another climbing rose to this side as well but I don't see a sign in front of it so I've reached the I want to say the edge but instead of reaching a corner they've actually curved the rock wall inside so there's actually a curve and though I'm still on the top terrace there's a little bit more of a walkway now to walk down before we go back there's a huge rose bush off to my right in one of the flower beds here and there's a ruckus underneath it. I do not know what it is. If it's birds, a rabbit. I wish the trucks were quiet. I'm going to try to catch the sound.
Of course, as I got close enough, whatever was there also startled. It stopped making noise. I could see a bird on the wall, which could have been the bird that was making the noise. I can also see mud on the bottom sides of these plants right here as though somebody's crawling in and out of this bush and trailing mud or throwing mud to perhaps scoop an area up. Luckily, there is nobody else in the garden with me, so I'm going to walk into the flower beds a little bit here and see if I can find out what's going on underneath that bush. And I really can't. I did see two birds hop up onto the wall behind me and kind of slide themselves into the plants that are at the side there. So they could have been what was making all the noise, those two birds. I'll have to see if I can keep an eye on it as I walk down the levels. They were birds that I don't recognize, about the size of robins, but they had some really white details on them. So I might have to look them up in my bird book. I'm going to go ahead and walk back down the path back towards the entrance, which actually leads down the middle. The way that this gentleman, ah, I just got hit by a bug. The way that the man described it was a series of terraces, which indeed it is a series of terraces with the entrance being at the center. And then the first row of terraces going out from the center, both to the left and the right. So I came to the left first. So I'm going to finish walking back towards the center and then I will go down to the next level. Although there's another sign here that says Madam Hardy, Damask, Portland, which again I'm thinking that these are all referring to the roses. I can see over and over again other varieties of flowers but they all are just stems with their heads chomped off so that answers my question about the deer. There actually are some yellow flowers here. I don't think that they're daisies, but they're daisy-like flowers that apparently do not appeal to the deer. So that's one good way of testing out which flowers the deer will eat and which flowers they won't is you go visit somebody else's garden who also has a deer problem. Now I see some... I can't believe, oh, snapdragons. I was going to say, I can't believe I don't know their name. The snapdragons have flowers all along them still, but right behind them is a bunch of stems with their little heads chomped off. And there's signs in these planters like Rose of Castile and Demont. This one over here is Dul de Paul Fontaine Moss. That might be pertaining to their lamb's ear type of plant that's right in front of it, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure what the moss would actually pertain to if it's not that. It's interesting because the tops of the roses look like they've been bitten off by the deer as well. So I might not be wrong in wondering how these survive. This one is Madame Louis Le Lavage. And again, it says moss on it. I'm not sure. I've seen some of them that referring to where they came from, so it could be indeed that that's where these flowers originated. The um, museum 
closes at five o'clock today, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on my time and not just completely slowly wander through because there's a lot of stuff here that is so interesting I want to look at. I'm going to check my time. Here's a large bush stalking up from the ground in a series of leggy stalks, and it looks much more like a bush than a flower, but the top of the flower are these bright, fluorescent-y blue flowers, smaller than a snapdragon, but almost a little bit similar in the way that the blossom spreads open, and it's all buzzing and live with bees. I'm going to see if I can catch the bee sound. a bee buzzed right in my ear as I was walking by so that might have worked might have gotten the bee sound this is the Baroness Rothschild flower so off to the right side of the walkway still in the upper terrace there are a lot of roses I probably see about 50 rose bushes the thing that looks exciting about it is to be in a rose garden at the end of fall, there are still a few blooms on things here and there, but I, I like the way that these flowers have been maintained because I know a lot of gardeners who care for roses tend to cut them down and keep them very stocky and either it's that we're at a good time of year where we're at, at the end of the bloom and they haven't come in for the winter and cut them yet. But there's so much variety in the shapes of the bushes and some of them are low to the ground and very bushy. Oh my gosh, I just got a big waft of fruity rose smell. Because every once in a while at the top of the bushes, I can see the dark pink off to my right, a dried up dark lavender. There's a darker, almost red, but not quite. But as I said, there's also all this variety in the way that the plants themselves, some of them have long, leggy, spiky pieces coming up. Some of them, as I can see on the next terrace down below me, are probably climbing roses that have like extended their walls and have all these long leggy arms reaching up into the sky. And some of them so long that they're almost reaching back over to the pathway here. And then they're leaning over these other little bushes that are almost look like petite in their spiny, stalky, thorny stalks reaching up but they're probably almost waist high with just a little bit of greenery at at their tips it's an interesting thing to see not only the variety of flowers but the variety of ways that a rose bush actually carries itself is some have thick thick stalks coming out of the middle and some of them have a variety of narrow slender shoots all coming like around a a common base some of them even below the ground I don't know that bird what a find I'm just absolutely 
gobsmacked. Can I say gobsmacked even though I'm not British? There's a little Lizzie. Hi, little Lizzie. I'm scaring it. This is juniper. Juniper, the Christmas tree one. What are those? Holly. Those are holly. Those, yeah, the sharp, spiny, Christmassy ones are at the top of this level, which again is an unusual, but it feels very British. Oh, I need to just come back with a camera all day long. So I'm walking down the center stairway, and again, in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, terraces, so the next terrace is going to be similar to the first, but it isn't. This next terrace has its own personality and its own charm. It's much wider than the first one. The flanks of the stairs actually have a, a wall down the middle of the walkway with pillars. And again, this detail of stone and brick mixed together is so unique. And why isn't everything built like this? Now, as I'm reaching the end of the wall in the center of the second terrace, there's a um, framework up above that I can imagine. Well, I can see roses. I was going to say it holds wisteria, but I don't see any wisteria at all. It all seems to be roses. There's not a whole lot, and the iron work almost makes me curious if it was original because it seems almost a little bit out of place. It doesn't have the same elegance or style that a lot of the other pieces, even in the stonework, not stone, but in the metalwork that I've seen, there's a lot of elegant metalwork flourishes and things like that. So this is kind of a, what do you call this? Where it comes from all around and it ends in a peak in the middle and then I'm standing below that and there's a super cool bird bath with lion heads on it just gorgeousness so I'm gonna go because this is now forcing me down a walkway that's got holly on both sides the gardens that I could see from the center walkway over the wall but couldn't walk into I now can't even see at all until now and through the holly it opens up into those rose gardens that have their own unique landscape design that was different from the top terrace now over the top terrace I can look back over to the stone house that is the center point of all of this estate it's what can I compare it to? Of course, when I get in these moments that I, I don't remember the names of all of the places that I have actually been to before. So to be able to compare them to some of the places I've been to is frustrating because I can't remember what they're called. Was it William Morris's house? But I think he was the designer, not the actual person whose house it was. Now, I'm going to make a quick tour through this level. There's a lot of bushy roses, and again, they're kind of at the end of the season. But I can smell those pink ones right here. Although it drew me in with this secrecy of 
these holly hedges. So this level now, unfortunately, is a little bit unkempt. It did have uh, irises, I can see, um, down the middle here, but it's also kind of weedy, a little bit dry, and I can't believe how close this is to the road. And at the very bottom of this center walkway is an absolutely delightful little pool complete with lily pads and three little teeny tiny jets that are only shooting up probably about two or three inches but the the shape of the reflecting pool is rectangular but with the sides also jutting out just a little bit and I love that in so many things that I see here, this, those tiny little moments of deviation to just, you know, gives us so much interest and beauty. We've got lily pads. Along the walkways, they have used bricks in the ground at an angle to guide the, the walkway along. I'm just going to get the water Teeny tiny little water. But I also see what looks like some apple trees, a row of apple trees. Oh, that's what I've always dreamed of. Having a beautiful garden with apple trees that you can just sit in and eat the apples out of. There's another flower over here that I don't exactly recognize. They're just masses that almost look like bunches and bunches of bouquets all stuck together and at the very top of them are pink flower that looks very much like an ice plant flower this lower area here which is much 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 wider this bottom tier is wider than the top two tiers put together but there's not a lot of interest in the garden right now it's not only past season but it's also fallen to the ravages of deer and seems to have some of the same difficulties in keeping plants alive and beautiful that I've always found up in this northern area. The few things that can grow, might grow, if you could bring in enough water and provide enough care are the same things that are also targets to the wildlife as well. So there's a real challenge and struggle in finding uh, things to grow. This is definitely worth coming to see. That's what I said, right? See it, see it, see it. I want to walk back up to the house and back over to the pools. Let me check the time. Oh, I'm not going to have time. It's 4.54 and I'm sure the people who own this place are going to want me to be out of here so they can close up. There's either stoners here or skunks. Some Probably somebody driving by in a car on the road.
Off to my left, I'm walking back towards the office. But off to my left is a greenhouse with another series of buildings that I could imagine probably belong to caretakers at one time to um, care for and grow. I'm almost surprised they don't have a vegetable garden. That's one thing that definitely seems to be lacking is uh, food and vegetable. Although there's a great possibility that all of that existed when this was actually a a working mine. <laughs>